I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I Actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for almost the end of the first season of Millennium. Uh, yeah. With, with an episode... These are these are not bad episodes by any mean means, but uh, this we've talked a lot about this show being a proto Criminal Minds, yeah. And there is no episode that is more this is a proto episode of Criminal Minds than Broken World, right? Like exactly, <laughs> and, and it is actually. So much better. Oh, no, it's much better. And part of it is, and this is something we've talked about on Criminal Minds, which is it doesn't have a bloated cast. Right. So you have you don't have to service, you know, eight characters in every scene. And consequently, like, well, we've got we got to have something for, you know, we got to have something for Derek and Emily to be doing. We got to have something for Hotch and Reed to be doing, right? And so it's like you have all of these extra scenes you don't need just so there's something for the actors to be doing this week. You don't have any of that. It is very clean and it is very direct. And it's because oh, yeah. you only have one actor from the cast on the show. Sorry, Peter Watts is also there. Yes. Yeah. But it's Frank that does the profiling and exactly. explaining about what's going on. Yeah. And receiving the, the blowback from people. And oh, yeah. Then, Having you know, to deal with cops who don't want to believe this is a real thing. Yeah, and calming them down and saying, look, I mean, at the beginning, right, when Frank shows up, well, we don't need you, it's just a horse. It's just, uh, there's only been, and he's about to say how many there's been, and then Frank's like, 21 cases. And the guy actually- And the guy's surprised. He's like, what? He's like, five in your county, 16 in the surrounding counties over the past three years. And then the guy, as you say, immediately is like, oh- Oh hell, this is, this is more serious than I realized it was. Yeah. You oh. know, whether they want to buy into the, the, the profiling serial killer in the making profiling, right? Yeah. Um, they, you know, um, they, it's, they have to slowly come around because it's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Like whether they want to believe it or not, this stuff is happening. Yeah. And, oh, so yeah. Uh, lots of, we've seen lots of episodes about people killing horses. Uh, Just worth thinking about how many episodes of television we've seen about people killing horses. Between this and Cracker and American Cracker. Just people love killing them horses. Touching, I'm sorry, Touching Evil, not Cracker. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Touching Evil and American Touching Evil. Yeah. Lots of, lots of people murdering horses, which, they get into the psychology of murdering horses that's in a really horrifying way this week. Oh. Oh, God. Like, that was brutal. Like, when when the veterinarian, who is not but looks uncannily like a young Julianne Moore. Yes. Yes, she does. It, like, she looks distractingly like Julianne Moore. <laughs> uh, yes, but she also is, like... I really, it's interesting that the redheads and the women that Frank runs across who are yeah. sympathetic, who are like Catherine mm-hmm. in some ways. Right? Oh, absolutely. The ones who can just sort of, I mean, just the end, that ending scene, at oh, scene I know. goes off in her horse. And so 
Well, so where was Catherine? He didn't even seek talk. Did he talk to Catherine nope. even this week? No. No. Just Not an even. investigation this week. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it, it was clean. It was like, there's nothing special to talk about here. No, just a lot of, well, no, but I mean, I think that what's notable about this episode is that it's just like the elevation of this kind of generic serial killer story we've seen, we saw, you know, hundreds of times on Criminal Minds. Like we've seen this kind of serial killer narrative. There's a serial killer. He has a theme. He has a background that explains his theme. Right, he has a certain obsession. Um, it does do one thing that uh, is traditional for how they used to do television and movies, but Criminal Minds never did, which is because you know there's so damn many characters this could never really happen on Criminal Minds. But a scene where Frank has to solo face off with a guy who's explaining his whole thing while Frank's yeah. facing off with him. That's something Criminal Minds never really did because again, it doesn't really fit the structure of the show. Mm-hmm. And that's not a criticism, it's just an observation about how Criminal Minds was structured. Uh, but yeah, and I, by the way, I really did like that scene, and the fact that it ends with the man getting stomped to death by horses. Yes. The horses take it out on him. Finally. But I- yeah, like, that, that whole conversation that he has with the, with the veterinarian yeah. about how horses are socialized to be victims. That no matter yeah. what, they're from birth, they are socialized to trust men implicitly. Yeah, that was that. I mean, there, yes, you're and right. And spoiler there's alert, she's really talking about women. <laughs> <laughs> she's really talking about women. Well, yeah, <laughs> because the horse is a substitute. Exactly. Yeah. But the whole idea that, like, women are just supposed to trust men. Right? And supposed to accept the violence that men do. Right? And this woman gets attacked. And it's notable that they cast a whole extra actor. Donnelly Rhodes. Yes. Of TV's Danger Bay and TV's Da Vinci's Inquest. Like, famous Canadian actor. I mean, it's not a big deal for Americans. But it's a big deal when we see Donnelly Rhodes. But it's like he shows up. He shows up in so many Americans. Anything that's anything that's filming in Vancouver, he's gonna be there. Yeah, you're gonna get Don Lee Rhodes on your show eventually. He's just gonna show up at some point if you film in Vancouver. He just has to. He is an institution in Canadian television. Uh, But anyway, so yeah, he had a show called Danger Bay where he was a doctor who had a plane and he flew to remote areas to you know fix people. Yep. Because, and it was just, it was just a great show. I love Danger Bay. Like, it was one of those things that was just, like the Beachcombers, institutionally, like, every, something everybody, sorry, an institution. It was something that everybody watched. It was, and everybody it was knew the, about. Yes, it was the next thing after things like Wayne and Schuster. Yeah, and, it was that next. Uh, and then it was that next level of, particularly the Beachcombers. Oh, I know. And then that last, and then Peter Zosky, who would, no. Anyway. But the point is, we're now talking about how great Canadian television used to be, and it really was. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to complain about Republic of Doyle, it's fine. 
But, you know, you, there's stuff from your childhood you just love, and this is my stuff from my childhood, is Donnelly <laughs> Rhodes being on TV all the damn time. But anyway, yeah. I think, like, this is, it's kind of like a key to how you're supposed to interpret the episode. This woman, in the beginning of the show, we yeah. see her riding her horse, right? And she drops her one horse off, and she hears, you know, a gasping from the next stall, and she sees... That the horse in the next stall, another one of her horses, had its throat slit. And yeah. she, as she's checking on it, she knows there's a guy in the next stall. And yeah. so she goes to call her husband to try and call for help without, you know, kind of indicating that she knows she's being watched by this guy. Yeah. Right? And, uh, the guy, you know, walks up and hits her with uh, the cattle prod and knocks her out. And then yeah. we cut. And we don't see that woman again. No. They create a whole new character, Donnelly Rhodes, playing her husband, who is there to, like, he has failed to protect his wife, so now he's going to be the buffer between his wife and having to re-experience this thing. Yeah. But at, but Frank, as he, she's ta- he's talking about the woman, is, like, just amazed at the strength of her managing to not panic, managing to pretend that she didn't see the guy so she can try to get to the phone and call for help. Like this took yeah. a lot of strength and self to do, but still her husband is, this is the thing that is mine to protect. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because she does get through and it's probably saved her. Oh yeah. She does. That she get managed to react so calmly phone? and the fact, cause he rushed yeah. down. Like yes. he so rushed right over. Couldn't. Couldn't do anything, no, even no. if he, he, even tried, if he had been ready to get, yeah, even if he had been ready to kill. But I think it's notable that we don't see her, and instead we see Donnelly Rhodes, because again, it's it's about women as commodity, which the fact that it's only female horses getting killed and female horses that exist only to constantly be kept in a state of breeding. So that you can collect their urine to make estrogen so that women can pretend to be younger longer. Like, there's a lot going on in this episode. I know. Beyond, right? It makes me so glad that I never took estrogen. (laughs) But it's like, there's so much going on in this episode beyond the... uh, Because it's a great serial killer story. But, like, it also has a ton to say about women being commodified. Yes. In a way that, you know, Criminal Minds, love it, rarely had a ton to say. <laughs> is that is that fair or is that me being too mean? It's, it's not being mean enough. Okay. Come on. No, it's true. Didn't didn't generally have a lot to say about things. It we love you, Criminal Minds. Women, it yeah. treated its women cast members well. Yeah. I will give them that. Oh, absolutely. In terms of what they could do and not do, and there mm-hmm. was there was a balance there. Oh yeah. But kept Derek, and so I. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, and they all all tolerated Derek. Yeah. They all accepted Derek and his casual misogyny. Toxic masculinity, casual misogyny, just the just the, the dirt bagginess of Derek. Yeah, and not one of them ever really calls, calls him on it. And in fact, he gets defended. 
they do a, that. God, that scene where they oh, have that, where that they have cool. the respect in the workplace seminar, oh. and Derek is defended by Penelope. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Well, we we've already <laughs> yeah we we did twenty one. minutes on that scene back in when we were covering Criminal Minds uh, yeah. when we were covering that season of Criminal Minds. We don't have to here, but it's like I remember I saw it before you did. <laughs> yes, you did, and you were shocked. I was way ahead of you. Yeah, on Criminal Minds. Yeah, go listen to our Criminal Minds podcast yeah. to find out why. But oh my god! Yeah, that, that was that so was bad. not okay. So, as I would say, yeah, I don't think you're being. I don't think you're being hard enough. <laughs> if anything, you're not being too hard enough. <laughs> yes, at least as I said, it's the one thing with the cast. But yeah, no, they case, did. They did treat the. I mean. Except for all that whole mess with JJ and, you know, Emily leaving but then getting to come back. But that, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but that wasn't, that, that wasn't the fellow cast in that. No, problem. that wasn't the, fe- that and was that wasn't the how the writers treated them. That was obviously no. the network. Yes, obviously the network. You no, know, the writers yeah. wrote them well, you know, and yeah. other than, uh, <laughs> other than Penelope and Derek, uh, treated women respectfully. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, so yeah, like, but it's, the, the investigation is very well written this time, because it moves very, very, um, like, very, very carefully, and very, very sensibly, because the killer has written help on the wall after he knocked out the woman. Yep. Because he doesn't, he's not ready to kill, and he wants to not kill. Right, he wants to stop, but he doesn't know how to stop. Because again, as we've talked so many times before, this is his sexuality. Yeah. Torturing women, torturing women is his sexuality. How do you stop being straight? How do you stop being gay? It would be as hard for him to stop wanting to kill as it would for you to abandon your sexuality entirely. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. There's, there's, there's a whole, I mean, we're not going to talk about gay conversion camp, but there's been a lot of evidence that it's impossible to do, in fact. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, how do I stop? And so Frank and Peter talking about it are like, Frank says, I've got to reach out to him. And Peter says, there's a danger in that. It could accelerate him. It could yep. cause him to accelerate. And Frank's position is, well, we don't have any clues. We don't know who it is. He's going to go there anyway. He's going to get there eventually. So if there's even a slight chance that he's going to reach out, right, we've got to take it. And I think, and this is excusable, they're here now. Yeah. I mean, if this guy stopped killing horses, Mm -hmm. all of us, and then the Millennium Group would end up leaving. Yeah. Right. And then who would, who would help them catch this guy? Yeah. No, you gotta push it. And that's Once the key. He's in the wind, he's in the wind. Mm-hmm. And that's what they, that's what they make clear to the, 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 uh, sheriff and the, and the, the, the police department. Look, yeah. you know, once he starts killing people, there's nothing we, it's gonna be so hard to catch him. Yeah. Because as Frank says, the the more he does this, the better he's going to get at covering his, covering his tracks. Yes, and, and making yeah to cover your tracks when you kill a woman than it is when you kill a horse. Strangely enough, yes, yeah. because horses are too big. 
Not awesome. just too big, but the fact is, like, um, it's, it's well, a weird, awkward. there, you can, I mean, spoiler alert, you can find women anywhere. Yes. Like, you have to go to where horses are if you want to kill a horse, yeah. which is always on private property. But you can find women anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's much easier to find victims, it's much easier, you don't, if you are in horses' spaces, it's gonna look weird. People aren't gonna understand why you're where. If you're in women's spaces, that's just, you know, how the world is operated. Men and women constantly being around one another. Yep. So yeah, like it's much easier to be a serial killer of women than it is to be a serial killer of horses. As awful as that is to say. Ah, yep. uh, but yes, so Frank, so he calls, he, I mean it does work, he does call Frank. But yeah. there are men around being men. Yeah. And he cannot bring himself to actually do the call. And so he walks outside and he's full of rage and he's angry at himself and he needs to soothe himself and he sees a truck full of pigs and he just starts tormenting the pigs with a cattle prod. Ugh. Just, just the casual driver. cruelty. And the driver is like, what the hell are you doing? Because, you know, that's a completely reasonable response. What the hell are you doing? Uh, and so he shocks the driver, and he gets off on the power of that, so he stomps the driver to death. Yeah. Oh, The first kill. His first actual kill. Oh, my God. It was not easy to watch. It's a tough episode. You know? It, um, you know, and then, then he's that, the surprising thing, in some ways, is that then he wants to talk to Frank again, too. Yeah. But Frank sees this, and they say, well, yeah, but it's not a woman, and it's not a horse, and they're yeah. big. And How what does it, by the way, God? what does it say about where they live in Wyoming or whatever, that the sheriff is like, yeah, you know, a couple of times a year, someone gets beaten to death outside this bar. That's yeah. just the kind of people, you know, it's it's people who drive trucks, it's people who, you know... Uh, work in slaughterhouses. There's, there's gonna get some, people are gonna get bat, stabbed or beaten to death a couple of times a year. That's just how men are. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, too. It has always been the idea of working in a slaughterhouse, particularly in the old days, right? Mm-hmm. Where you didn't, well, I mean, it's still, you oh, know, yeah. one could feel guilty every time one eats meat. I can understand why people go vegetarian. Oh, yeah. You should. You should feel guilty every time you eat meat. <laughs> you know, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't eat meat. You know? Entirely because of this stuff. You know, it's just... I As, I, as I've always said, it started with Bambi. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, it's when you watch things like this, right, and you hear about what's going on in the slaughterhouses and how... You know, the the pigs were just, oh. But, I mean, the fact that, as she says, you got to keep these horses pregnant constantly for their entire lives to make this, you know, estrogen-filled urine that yeah. you need to make synth- uh, artificial estrogen for humans, meaning they are constantly pumping out horses every eight months or whatever. And so that's, that's 80,000 horses a year. You don't need that many horses, so the horses, but... You can't sell horses for meat in America. Nope. So they're all being shipped to Europe and Japan, where that's fine. So it's like this, yay, you know, if you use estrogen, you're part of a thing in where horses are being mass murdered. Oh. 
It's it's rough. It's a rough episode. I tell you, well, all of these episodes, with the, I mean, the com- the commentaries on society that are being made by this made show, consistently. Yeah. Right. And it's like, yeah, and it, you've just on one level, you've got this, you know. And by the way, like this, this stuff is just left to hang there. People don't talk about this issue because fundamentally, uh, I'm not going to say it's allergic to it, but this is a show whole heart, like wholly disinterested in explaining things. Yeah. Cause I want to point out that last week, uh, nobody ever said that Lucy Butler was a demon. That never came up. Nope. Like, the the serial killer talked about a concept of evil greater than either you and I could imagine, and we saw her demonic form, but nobody ever talked about it, nobody theorized it. And then in the next episode, I certainly didn't hear anybody call the lawyer a demon, and I certainly didn't hear anybody call that kid an angel. Like... Well, let me put it, let me put it this way. This is why we love Supernatural. Yeah, right? Cause it's, they it's, call us fade a spade. Yeah, well, no, but it's like everything, well, I was gonna say, this is the big difference. Why, uh, why was this a failure and the X-Files is a hit? There's a lot of reasons we could say, but I yeah. think a surprisingly large one is, the X-Files explains everything. Yes. Constantly. There is, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a, in the way they handle investigations, you have a believer and a skeptic as a pairing so that he can constantly be explaining the situation to her. And then she can offer her own take on the situation, which is sensible but invariably wrong, and then, you know, the monster gets blown up or whatever, so they don't have any proof. But the point is, for the audience, everything is 100% clear on an episode of The X-Files. You could get away with watching... Uh, powers, principalities, throne, and dominions, and have no idea, that, like, that, that that kid was an angel. Cause if you don't know the names of angels. Yeah. He could, he might as well be talking gibberish. Well, yes, and it's clear from the opening sequence in that episode. Yeah. That he is not just a human, delusional human. No, 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 cause Frank sees him using lightning on the guy. And for heaven's sakes, P- Peter saw him floating outside of a window. Floating yeah. outside of a window. Exactly. So no. We know there's something going on with him. The show sure as hell never explains it. Nope. Not really. And I know he's an angel. Yeah. You know he's an angel that's inhabiting a human body, just like the killer, the villain was a demon inhabiting a human body. Yeah. But I sure as hell can't point to the uh, the part of the episode where they say that. No, there isn't any. It, yeah. You know, it just left, everything is constantly left up in the air. Yeah. And I mean, when we get to the next episode. Yeah, well, okay, we'll talk about that. Because that, by the way, that is an episode that could have been an episode of the X-Files. Like, basically. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we'll talk about that when we get there. First, let's just uh, get through this. So he talks to Frank. Frank pleads with him to stop and says, and the guy's like, it feel, you know, talks about how great feels this too feels. Good. And Frank is like, no, you're, you're rationalizing. You want to stop. There's a part of you that wanted to, and you know, this is only like, this is going to fade and all that will be left is the guilt. And the guy just won't listen to him. So he yeah. finally kills a woman and, uh, leaves a, um, 
like, slits the horse's throat, right, at the jugular, like he's always been doing. But the woman, he hangs from a hook and brutally tortures. And then we see him, just in case, you know, uh, the sexual aspect has been unclear to you. We see him naked out in a field, celebra- covered in blood, having, you know, celebrating the murder. Jesus, this episode. It's, it's a rough episode. Yeah, but- as I said, all of these things, and, and I still am amazed that it was on at nine o'clock. I and, know! Nine and o'clock! I'm still, I am still just that it actually made it onto TV in many ways. It's so I mean, crazy. It is massively X-rated television. It is. I mean, this is as hardcore as anything the Criminal Minds ever did, you know, 20 years later. There is nothing that Criminal Minds did to That this. is as rough as this scene. As as this scene and these other ones. Oh, I know. You know, because they... Well, yeah, but that's... That's why Criminal Minds is watchable. Yeah, exactly. Like, it is, I, I mean, I hate to use this term to describe it because it is about serious subject matter, but it's fun. People enjoy watching Criminal Minds. Yes. And because- there is horrific stuff happening, but it is largely implicit. Well, and not only that, but there's also a resolution at the end at of the, every episode. Yeah. And you can't true. say. That mm. this episode had uh, a satisfactory resolution. The the woman who's the veterinarian, right? Yeah. Um, because of course she becomes the next target, and Frank yeah. works that that out because of what he's saying. She's then going to go to the doctor, and so they can figure out. But it is nice that the way they that. figure it out is her clue, because yeah. uh, it's her talking about. Um, because he, Frank observes that the horse's throat was slit, and this yeah. woman has been strung out, uh, strung up like a, uh, right, strung up from a hook like a carcass at yeah. the slaughterhouse, but more importantly, the killer left what he wore to do the torturing next to the body, which is a leather apron, which is a slaughterhouse yeah. apron that, like, he got so distracted, he just left it. Yeah. Um, right. And it, of course, you know, has horse blood on it and female horse urine, which is what she tell, which is when the, which is what encourages the, uh, the veterinarian. sorry, the veterinarian to explain about this whole estrogen thing we've been talking about. Yeah. And the funny part is this, of course, makes Frank's me realize a, like his his knowledge of this horse thing, his obsession with horse and women had to have started with these when he was young. So he would have grown up on one of these farms. Yeah. And he almost certainly works in a slaughterhouse now because yeah. of the way he's killing these animals in like the most efficient way by slashing the um by slashing the jugulars. And yeah. so they search through horse farms, they go to right, they search through all the horse farms of this type the female horse breeding farms in the area, right? And they find one where the guy also works at a slaughterhouse and they race over there and they find the bridle stolen from the first woman's horse that uh, he killed. And then he phones, then he phones the switchboard to say he's going to kill the veterinarian. So they run to the slaughterhouse where he works because that's a completely logical thing. And then we get the, you know, then, then it's all, you know, all done, but for the details, right? Where yeah. we have the chase scene, we have him menacing Frank, and we have a beautiful sequence of this man getting stomped to death by horses. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's it's the first time I've felt catharsis watching an episode of Millennium. 
<laughs> yes, nothing supernatural here. Nope. No ambiguity here. No, the bomber just gets shot in the head mid-conversation, and it turned out there wasn't really a bomb. None of that. None of that. No, this man gets stomped to death by horses exactly the way you want him to. Yeah. Yeah. Horses revenge. Yes, the horses get their revenge on this man. Yeah. It's it's the ending we wanted, and for the first time on the show Millennium, we got the ep- the ending of an episode we wanted. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. Very happy about that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. It was, it was a lot. I mean, Daniel uses the word beautiful, um, <laughs> Iro- semi-ironically. <laughs> yes, I, with, uh, prejudice. There you go. Yes. That's, that's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this, as I said, but as a, Serial killer and as a profiling episode, it is it's probably great. one of the best that you can see. I mean, yeah. you get the odd other one, yeah, that that we've seen, but this one because it takes the time to slowly explain how this is happening and yeah. what's happening, rather than using oh, he's decompensating. <laughs> But yeah, it's specifically talking about like the phases of serial killer and him moving yeah. from horses to people and how he's discovering how his fantasies work. Right? Yeah. He's discovering what he really wants by experimenting. Yeah. Right? He is going through a sexual development. Yeah. Right? And that and is what the whole episode is about. Yeah, and you have to have to understand that he'd been doing this since his childhood. Exactly, because very you know, clearly. Oh yeah, he was raised on a on, a, on this this exact kind of horse farm. Yeah, where the horses were kept constantly pregnant. Yeah, right. And again, it's uh, you know reinforcing femininity and you know the ability to breed as a commodity. Yep. Right. It's it's all there in the episode. Like it's all perfectly clear what this episode is about. It's just so rare to, like, again, Criminal Minds is never about anything. <laughs> As we did when we did our five, five episode end. Of trying to figure out, yes, as we spent ten hours seeing if we could say that Criminal Minds is about anything. And we went, well. Not, not really. Not really. <laughs> but it did we, have, it did have interesting stuff to say about subjects. About and it was the, remarkably consistent. On a few topics. Well, on a few topics. Yes. On some topics, it was remarkably inconsistent. inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is, but no, I mean, as a single sort of yeah. episode without the, um, without, without the horrifying gore, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, yeah, could, could have been an episode. No, this, this, I mean, I'm just saying structurally, the kind yeah. of thing that was talked Everything. about. This could have been an episode of Criminal Minds. It's just, you know. Or the it, X-Files, you know. No, not the, I don't think this could oh, have been no, an episode of the X-Files. The next episode, no. the next episode is 100%. If you told me that they hadn't done this on the X-Files and they rewrote a script to be a Millennium episode, that wouldn't surprise me at all. No. Like just, just the way this episode is, I'd be like, yeah, no, I believe this was originally an X-Files script. Mm-hmm. You know? Alright, so, uh, we open on Chernobyl, which is quite a weird way to open an episode of television. 
Yeah. Uh, which at the time was just as crazy as it sounds because it seems like the distant past, but it's like, when this episode happened, Chernobyl was just like, what, 10, 12 years earlier? Like, it wasn't that long ago. It was in 86. Oh, so it was 10 years earlier. 11 years earlier at this point. So thank you. Uh, yeah. Like, it's, it's a thing I remember happening, Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. Like, it was a, it was a huge deal, even for a child. Like, cause everybody was freaked out by Chernobyl. Like, the two big news stories I remember from my youth youth, like, obviously I remember the, fir- the first time they attacked the World Trade Center. That was gigantic news. Um, but the two giant news stories I remember from when I was like a child who didn't watch the news, cause that's how big these stories were, were the Challenger disaster and Chernobyl. Yeah. Cause those were the ones that broke out of just being on the news and being things that everybody talked about everywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So it's not, I mean, when this episode was made, it's only 10 years, 11 years in the past. So it's a relatively recent thing. And, uh, Ipochnik, they're talking about this guy being there. Yeah. Uh, right. And then we see Chernobyl explode as everybody's trying to stop it. They can't and it explodes. And then we fast forward 10 years and we see one of the guys from the Chernobyl scene at a meeting talking about how Iponchik is back. And then he walks outside and Iponchik is there and shoots him in the face with a shotgun at point blank range. It's, it's a dramatic opening. It's a really dramatic show is, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a hell of a dramatic opening. You gotta give it that. Yeah, and the guy doesn't do a thing except... Cross himself. himself. He even kills him before he finishes crossing himself. Yep. Which is meaningful. Yes, it is. And understand that, of course, these are not Roman Catholics. These are Orthodox Catholics. Yeah, these are Russian Orthodox Catholics. Yes. Yes, and they... They are Eastern Church. Left to right, not right to left. Yeah, which is... It's weird that that would be part of the difference between the churches, but it is. It's one of the many differences between the churches is it, go, it goes all the way down to how you cross yourself. Yep. And how you take communion. Oh, of and course. Everybody has their own rituals. Yep. All right. So Frank goes, uh, he meets local cop Bill Nunn. Uh, they're there to talk about a bunch of Russian nationals down in Brighton Beach being murdered. Yep. Uh, and, but the strange part is their faces are being blown off and then the killer is cutting off all of their fingers at the third knuckle to just take their fingerprints so they can't be identified. So he's trying to erase these people's identities. They don't know why Frank has been called, Frank and Peter have been called in to consult. Two episodes in a row, no real, uh, Megan Gallagher, no Catherine and Jordan two weeks in a row. Nope. They're just investigations. And, well, I mean, I don't want to criticize Frank too harshly. After what happened in his house, I'm sure he's happy to be on the road for a little while. Even if it is awful that he is abandoning um, Catherine to deal with all well, of the Well, that will have its own re- ramifications. Yeah, we'll talk about that going <laughs> forward, yes. I mean, it's not like the show doesn't know what he's doing and yeah. doesn't won't comment on what he's doing going forward. It's a very good show. But anyway. Uh, so they've got a Russian cop there who has come to look in on all these, uh, Russian emigres being killed because it might be related to crimes from Russia. And, uh, it's interesting because the, uh, 
<laughs> they lay out the problems with they have in policing Brighton Beach and the Russian immigrant community because, as he said, when you spent your entire life, as Bill Nunn says, when you spent your entire li- life living under communism, you know, where you get thrown in jail for doing whatever, whenever, how can you expect people to trust the cops? Yeah. How can you expect anyone to volunteer information to the cops? Which is mean, a pretty good point. Yep. And he talks how it's like, <laughs> the Russian... The Russian cop gets paid, what, a hundred dollars a month or something. Like, yeah, can you imagine, uh, how, how can you not be corrupt if you're making a hundred dollars a well, month? Well, that's what he said. He said, and could you live on that? A hundred and twenty-six dollars yeah. a month. Exactly. Like, you know, how so would you not be corrupt? Be surprised. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then we get a great scene. So he comes in to talk about the killing and Frank wants to know the, you know, Frank wants to understand the strange spiritual aspect to it. Uh, like there's a weird symbol on the guy's body, right? Uh, there's a weird symbol on the guy's body. Why is this guy trying to erase their identity? They talk about, um, the, the fact that he was standing there crossing himself when he died. Cause like his finger was blown off cause it was up in yeah. front of his face. Yep. And the Russian cop says that's how you know he was Ru- definitely Russian because uh an American would try to flee if someone stuck a gun in his face, but a Russian accepts the inevitability of fate <laughs> and would just cross himself, which is a nice touch. Yeah. Uh but also there interestingly is a guy who work um who works undercover. A Russian guy who works undercover in the Brighton Beach community. Yeah. To, uh, and he's there and he and the Russian step aside and have a, an angry conversation out in the hallway that yes. we are not privy to the contents of. Not at all. They go up to have a cigarette. Mm-hmm. They know one another. That's pretty clear. Yeah. And they go out and Frank keeps looking up because they're in the morgue, right? They yeah. needed the morgue. And, uh, so the guys go out to have the cigarette outside the morgue and Frank keeps looking at them as they're Having this screaming match, very basically. yes, angry screaming match. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And it gets oh, does it get good? So I mean, it's and I want to. It stress, is a good. Episode. It's a good episode, but it 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 is an episode that keeps you off balance completely. It can be very confusing at moments. Oh, I watched it twice. Yeah. I did. I watched it twice just to make sure I understood everything that was going on. Uh, because they're and, like, oh, please continue. And I was going to say partly because the priest. Yeah. And the devil. Mm-hmm. And, or the devil substitute. Uh, and, and our, our cop looks surprisingly. They do look hard. very similar, yes. <laughs> and you're kind of going at times. Okay, is is it the priest? No, it's not the priest. It's not the cop. No, it's not. Uh is his own guy. Yeah, but they all three of them do look similar. Yeah, it it is it is a surprise. Like they they don't look identical. It's that whole thing that when you but there are certain traits that they they have in common. If you put them together, you know immediately they're different. Yeah. But particularly, you know, it's no Yaponchik and the cop do look a lot alike. Like yeah. that's, you, you can't avoid that when you're talking about this episode. Um, so, but the, the, the cop, sorry, not the cop, the, um, the, well, he is a cop. The undercover cop has invited Frank to come down to a club that night 
yeah. right, to get a sense of the community. And when we get to the club, when Frank gets to the club, the cop is there with him and they are sitting there. The Russian cop is the there. The Russian cop is there with the undercover cop. Yeah. And when he says, as we see that the Russian cop is holding on to these three strange painted cards. Yep. And the undercover says, look, I mean, I, everybody knows you have these. Like, everybody knows you have these. If he wants them, he'll come and get them. Right? I've put the word out. Yeah. Like, this is the, and what they're trying to and do is lure upon you. We don't know what's, we don't know what's going on with these cards. No. Right? We don't have the slightest idea what's going on with these cards, but they seem to think they're important. And Frank takes the uh, cop aside to talk to him about this. Uh, Well, no, the cop goes to see Frank. Yeah, the cop sees Frank enter. Because he wants to get Frank out of there because... As quickly as possible. Exactly. Right. Um, And while he's doing that, Eponchik comes in and shoots the undercover cop in the face as well. Yep. Just in a full full crowd of people. Just shoots him in front of everybody. Yep. And then leaves. And there's and then the cop is screaming, Where's the Pachek? Where's the you know, yep. like he's screaming this. Frank's listening to it all, mm-hmm. not making any sense. And then he asks the Russian cop, so who's the Pachek? Doesn't exist. He's a myth. <laughs> yeah, he's right? the boogeyman. He's the boogeyman. He's the Russian boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And um but nobody saw anything. Again, no. right? They come down. Nobody saw anything. The guy walked into this bar. We see him. Everybody else saw him. And we see the scene of people putting to the other composite pictures of the crime, and everybody describes somebody different. Yes. Yeah. Nobody and he accuses, him. and the uh, he says essentially that the Russian cop was knows exactly what's going on and keeping it to itself. And he tells Bill Nunn that this guy is an assassin because he was there lying in wait for a pawn chick to kill him. Yes. And he was not there. He is not taking part of this uh, investigation. He knows who the killer is, and he's there just to murder him. Yep. And Frank wants nothing to do with an assassin. Nope. And here's, well, I mean, if we even talked about in the episode with uh, the Thin White Line. Yes. It's not something Frank could ever be a party to. So, uh, here's where things get interesting. Our, so he won't work with the cop anymore. Murder. <laughs> so, uh, looking at the pieces on the body, right, the marks on the body, Frank is able to track down the symbols to a Russian Orthodox church. Yes. And inside the church are all of these people with these growths on them. And... Frank realizes this could be the surgical scars that were on their existing victims, some of their existing victims, right? Yeah, he'd seen scars and didn't know what they were. Yeah. He'd seen and scars and didn't know what they were. It's not just that. It's not just scars. It's, it's Growths. It's radiation burns. It's, there's a child and there's a, there's a child who... With a deformity, yeah. With a deformity, so it was obviously born after Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all sorts of things like that, and he's and he does connect to okay, so these are refugees basically from from Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah, these are all uh, refugees from Chernobyl, is what he figures out. Yeah, and this is when Peter drops the line that uh, in Nostradamus, 
we were told that a comet would fall from the sky and the comet would be named Wor- Wormwood, Wormwood. And a fourth of all of the words wa- wor- world's waters would be poisoned by Wormwood. Yes. Right? And that would be, you know, one of the signs of the apocalypse. And that's what Chernobyl means. Yeah, Chernobyl, Chernobyl does mean Wormwood. In case, in case you were wondering that, whether this was just, you know, something they made up. No, no. No, no yeah, no. that's true. That is true. It's like, that is in the Nostradamus stuff, and Chernobyl does mean Wormwood. Yes, it's Ar- Artemisia vulgaris. Yeah. Mugwort, mugwort or common wor- worm. Wormwood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the fun, it's one of the things that, uh, it is one of the weird items that kept Nostradamus in the conversation throughout the 90s. The fact that Chernobyl happened. And that was, that was a pretty big coincidence. I'm not well, saying there's anything they, real in they, Nor- they, Nostradamus they, to believe on, in, but, I mean, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one, and it definitely plays a role in this Oh, episode. episode. Uh, fundamentally. Because Peter, uh, and so Frank, of course, is skeptical about the idea that the end of the world, you know, is caused by this, but who knows? So, they go to, um, they are led by the priest to one of the other victims who worked in, uh, putting together, right, uh, well, like, recovering Russian artifact, uh, like, Artifacts of the church. Restoring is what they call it. Restoring icons. Restoring icons. Icons being pictures of saints. Yes. Or, or Jesus, or scenes from Jesus' life. Yeah. But yes, mostly pictures of saints. And when we see what's in her workshop, we realize this is what the cop had on him. And that, like, these are more of what the cop had on him. They were more icons. They were more icons. And so they find a mailing address of a person, right, because she was going to be sending it to the Russian consulate when, and she never got a chance to before being killed. And so, you know, Peter and Frank are like, well, let's go see this guy she was sending it to. And so they go to see the guy, and it's Iponchik. Surprising no one. Yes, we recognize him. Yeah, we now, recognize we him immediately. Recognize him yet. Of course not, because, you know, Frank didn't see him. No, but we did. We know. We've seen yeah. him a bunch of times. He comes in and... uh Yeah, thanks them for it. And, uh you know, they try to ask him about the murders. It. Offers to pay them for their trouble. Yep. Uh, and of course they just want to know what's going on with this, with the pawn chick, with Chernobyl, with the stolen art. And he's like, look, I'm just a guy who's been hired by the Russian government to repatriate our stolen art. Yes. And I, I don't know anything about this otherwise. Since, and, but, and the thing is, this is after Russia has, like Russia as the USSR has yeah. broken down. Exactly, because oh, the communists so had, yeah, exactly. They had, uh, they talk about how this part of the church had been outlawed by the government. And so most of the art was destroyed and some of it was, you know, stolen from the country and now they're trying to repatriate all of it. And <laughs> where it gets good is now they start talking about the Antichrist. Well, yes, because our Russian cop, Yano, doesn't yeah. believe. No, no, he says. No, no, this is just, you know, he's yeah. like, 
he's a criminal. Whereas mm-hmm. it, because he doesn't go to the church. No. He just wants to kill him. Because what they have discovered is that Yana and the three people that were killed prior to his getting Are there, all people they who worked, worked at together. Chernobyl. No. They yeah. worked together. Two of them were cops at Chernobyl, mm-hmm. and one must have been one of the scientists. Scientists that yeah. maybe both of the other the other two were scientists. Presumably, all of the people worked at Chernobyl. Yeah. Yes, and then and what we're beginning to understand is that this church is um is is a church um that. The priest, certainly, they all believe that the, that Chernobyl was a sign. Yeah. Was one and the, of the apocalypse is the coming. Apocalypse. And in the beautiful, and then kind of the message of the episode is, uh, be happy for the apocalypse because that means Jesus is coming back. Don't worry well, about Well, this is, this is, okay, so when he goes in, right? Mm-hmm. When, when he goes to the service, because we see more than one service and we see yeah. mass, right? Oh yeah. Um, and we see a ponche coming to the one of the masses mm-hmm. and the priest will not just passes him by. Yeah. Will not. Will not give him communion. Will not give him communion and passes by. And then, and Frank, when he walks out the church, Somebody says something to him in Russian, right? And Frank, and the guy keeps looking at him and Frank repeats it back. Yeah. Right? And it's, surely I come quickly. Yeah. Right? Um, or I am coming soon. I am, yeah, I am coming soon. But, well, it depends on the trans, on the, on the translation. But yes. If you have a red letter Bible, it is the last, the last words of the Bible. Well, they're not exactly the last words that Jesus, Jesus not, says. There's yes. a few words after that, but mm-hmm. this is the Jesus. last thing Jesus says in the Bible is, "I will yes. be coming quickly." Depending yes. on how you, you're right, depending on how you translate it. Well, yeah, I will be. I will become. I come soon. I will be coming soon. Anyway, that is what whatever the Russian. So Frank just says it back, mm-hmm. him, right? Just, uh, but so that makes it clear. Right? Yeah, that that that's what this is. church is about. Yes. And, and of course they want to arrest Yaponchik and of course they can't arrest him because he's there on diplomatic immunity. Oh, and they've got no evidence. And there's no evidence. They so while Frank is looking into this stuff, the, uh, the cop follows Yaponchik to a Russian bath. Yeah. And where Yaponchik has just killed two people and then shoots him in the back of the head. Yep. But what he didn't realize was that that's part of the story of the Antichrist. That yep. he survives a head wo- miraculously survives a head wound. And Frank, because he now understands the whole biblical stuff, is going, oh shh. Because they took these two guys up. He was dead. He wasn't mm-hmm. a miraculous surviving it. He oh, was he was a corpse. Dead. They put him on the thing, but by the time they get him onto a gurney, they're getting life signs, so they take him to a hospital instead. Yeah. And by and the time he gets to the hospital, he's a lot better. Well, and they just the don't understand EMT. what's going okay. on. Yeah, the poor the EMT. Poor EMT's going, but he was he dead. One hundred percent, he was dead. He was dead. Yeah. And it's it's in the ride to the hospital that mm-hmm. he starts moving, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is part of the story of the Antichrist. This is another one of the signs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then poor Yano. 
Oh, that poor cop races to the hospital to execute him. Yeah, again. Again. And he's like, do any good. And the Antichrist tells him, that's not your role. No. You're not the one who kills me. You're the one who essentially sets me up. You're the one who reveals my power. And the guy and the cop, finding this a persuasive argument, maybe the Antichrist is a hypnotist, I don't know, uh, drags him to the roof of the building so that he can be spirited away in a helicopter by the Russian government and brought back to the consulate where he has diplomatic immunity and can be yeah. brought to the airport later at uh, his own at his own pace. And the interesting part is that, like, it's we're left with the idea that well, wait a second. The ten nations of Europe, that Russia and the ten nations of Europe are going to go to war with Israel, and that is going to be the start of the end of the world. And Frank says, "Okay, but what if it's not the ten nations of Europe? What if it's the ten nations that made up the USSR? And what Iponchik is going to do is reform the Soviet Union." Yeah, and. You know, given what's happened since this episode <laughs> aired, <laughs> how we have our own bald Russian Antichrist to deal with. <laughs> it's almost 30 years ago that this was there. I know, right? Yeah, uh, and there's there's poor Yano, right? Because he's supposed to be going. Yeah, on the they're trying to da- drag him onto the helicopter. And he doesn't want to go with the Antichrist because yeah. he now believes. He now fully believes that this is not just a serial killer coming to murder everybody who worked at Chernobyl to cover up the fact that it was sabotage that he did that created the event, right, that caused the meltdown. But, in fact, now he believes this actually is the Antichrist. And so it does end with, you know, and he and and the uh, the Russian yeah. The Russian security services are trying to pull him away, mm-hmm. but the helicopter has to take off. Yep. So they leave him. But they he, leave him with Frank. Because Frank is holding on to him because he keeps saying, Frank, don't let don't them take let, me. I don't know. let them take me. Oh. So we see at the end, we yeah. see at the end that he is now a believer. He is in the he church. He is now at the having church. communion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, now- the, and the last words of the episode, like were the last episode, like the end of the Bible is, he is coming soon. Yes, he is coming soon. That is what they say to each other. I mean, the thing is, on one level, this could be an episode of the X-Files. Yes, it could be. It could have been. But, yeah. like, that's not a criticism. The X-Files was a great show. <laughs> and they have managed to... It. Yeah, oh yeah. But they, they managed to make it work. Like, even if this was originally an episode of the X-Files, it feels completely natural. With I, Frank and Peter in it. You know what? What? Is I wonder if there were things that that's, while Chris Carter is doing the X-Files, right? There are things that would come up that he would want to do, and they weren't going to fit. On the X-Files, and that's one of the reasons On he the did X-Files, Millennium? Some ways. That he had all these story ideas that weren't going to fit on the X-Files. I mean, that's not impossible. Yeah. It's, it's, but like, I thought been, about it, but yeah, that makes sense. You know, this is, um, yes, this could have been on the X-Files, except, yeah. Well, no, it could have been because you could have had the, the two of them, the 
Yeah. But then, but only if Scully becomes a believer at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Which would have been a weird way for the episode to end. Yeah. So, yes, I don't think you could have ended it because it is clear yeah. that whatever Frank, we don't really know what Frank thinks, but given the last, the two episodes before the horse episode. Yep. You know, Frank is probably starting to wonder himself. Exactly about what things. Yeah, about the nature of the universe and in fact what the Millennium Group knows about them. Yeah, and what are what are and this episode because it's called Maranatha. Yeah. And um, you know, it is it is this whole idea of the end of the world, the Antichrist coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, and Frank does sensibly come up with Putting together, putting Russia back together again, right? Yeah. Rather than all of Europe, be, you know, coming together to attack to, Israel. To attack Israel? No, no, we're gonna just Russia. That's, yeah. that's okay, right? And none of them want to see that, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's an interesting idea, um, and and I mean, I'm not not for nothing, you know. Russia is currently funding attacks on Israel. Just putting it out there. Just putting that out there. <laughs> obviously, obviously I'm being silly. Yes. But no, it is, it is interesting that, uh, it's funny because I was watching the movie, um, God, what's it called? Uh, uh, Terminal Velocity, which is this movie with Charlie Sheen from the nineties. Uh, it's a perfectly fine, like, it's, uh, David Toohey would go on to make the Pitch Black movies. Just a good screenwriter. Just a traditional, you know, 90s action thriller. But the funny part about it is, hey, James Gandolfini's the villain. You know, back before James Gandolfini was a big deal. Uh, and the villains in this movie are KGB agents who want to use a bunch of stolen Russian gold to, uh, Take over, you know, the new, uh, like, uh, essentially to be the, Ru- to like use the Russian mob and all the stolen Russian gold to put their own guy in charge of Russia and bring it back to being the Soviet Union. And yeah. I'm like, you know, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> like, like Yeltsin wanted to stay in power at any cost because like the, so the shock doctrine was going so badly that like socialists were threatening to come back in and Yeltsin wanted to stay in power at all costs. And so the KGB said, we've got all of this money from places that it's not important that you know about it. We can guarantee you being reelected. But what you have to do is you have to turn over being president after a couple of years to this, uh, <laughs> to this Putin guy. Yeah. And that's what he did on, uh, the year 2000. You know, what, uh, <laughs> what we were told was going to be the end of the world. Well, that is when Putin got pa- into power. So I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> this episode, <laughs> I'm just saying this episode has some interesting stuff going on in retrospect. Cause like there were no great plagues or earthquakes in 2000, but Putin did get put in charge of Russia. <laughs> yeah. So just worth worth thinking about. Anyway, uh the point is they're both very good episodes. I would say um just because of the really interesting stuff it has to say behind the serial killer plot line, I would say Broken World is the episode I find more interesting. 
but they're both very good episodes of this kind of show. And, you know, it's like, even when Millennium isn't being Millennium, it's still just a damn good show. Well, and I do think that, that Millennium is Millennium in Maranatha. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, which is not what they say, like, that, that is the response, right? Mm-hmm. The line is, you know, oh, I don't know, usually the Lord, Lord, come, Lord, come quickly or whatever. And then yeah. Maranatha is basically Lord, come. There is the Lord has come. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's at the end of Revelation, right? Basically, I, Lord, come quickly, right? It, it is, it's, it's, I don't know. The Chernobyl one, it was a little confusing. It is. I did watch um, it twice. Yeah, and if you have to, yes, and and it was it, because it, it helps it going. And I, I did go back a few times. I didn't watch it twice from beginning to end, but I had to go back a few times, you know, and, and check, double check. Okay, wait a minute. Who are these guys? Okay, yeah. and they do get the icon fixed. Mm-hmm. The icon that was damaged by the Antichrist. We'll just yeah. call him what he is. He's the Antichrist. Because he scratched... Yeah, we didn't mention that he scratched the face off of uh, the icon. Yeah. Um, no, I probably it was an... I, I can't remember now. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Wasn't it the icon that revealed what he looked like? No, no. Oh, no, it was the other one. You're right. You're right, you're right. No, you're right. no, 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 no. The icon in the church is... I don't know. Was it an icon of Jesus? I'd have to go. Yeah, back I think it was of Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think that was it, and he scratched it out. Um, and at the end the of only, the episode, they have had it restored. Yes, and um, what the only thing that that Iponchek didn't have was a black dog. <laughs> well, maybe it's back in Russia. Maybe he left it in Russia. It is. Um, I just keep seeing the omen. Yeah, I know, right? Oh my. Okay. Giant black dog from the omen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it is a really good episode of television. Um, and yeah, it, it is millennium, especially because of the concerns about the end of the world is a very millennium kind of thing. But I just mean like stylistically, there being, you know, this supernatural creature with a lot of lore behind it and them gradually finding out that it's real. It did just has the, very much has the structure of what it's like watching the X-Files. Yeah. Is my point. And normally the show is not like that. No. No. But that's okay. No, it's fine. Again, it's not a bad episode. It's a very good episode. Partly because, after all, we are coming. That is the whole thing of Millennium. We are coming. Yeah. To we are coming to the... There we are, are within the signs. The, the signs are all around us. Yep. You know, like, uh but the time is now, as the opening credits say. Yes. Like, this is, we are the generation, and by the way, this is the thing that all doomsday cultists believe, that we are the generation for whom things are actually going to happen. You know, the, the, the Bible was written about us. Yeah. All those people before just misinterpreted it. But we're the ones whose stuff is really about. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. Next week, we are going to watch the final episode of the first season of Millennium, and then we're just going to talk about what the show tried to do in its first season, what it accomplished, and, you know, our favorite or least favorite moments. 
I hate to say it because I don't want to sound like too much of a fanboy. I don't know if I'm going to have any least favorite moments. No, I just I'm love not. this season of television. Well, I'm tra- sitting down. I mean, I, th- there's all sorts of things I can say about it, but I can't say, like, I can't pick a, it's not like looking at a season of Criminal Minds where you can just. You're like, here's my favorite episode. Here's my least favorite episode. Here's, can you believe they did that episode? <laughs> like, yeah. there's nothing like that on Millennium. There's just not. Yeah, it's very weird. Anyway, we'll talk about oh, that. Hey, that's ne- you're right. That's next week. For now, though, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you were listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find out about the show. We'll see you back here next week for the grand finale of Season 1 and effectively a season in review like we used to do for Criminal Minds. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Oh, yes. Have a good week. She was about to say, we're recording this two days before Christmas. So she was about to say, have a great Christmas break. But then she realized it's not going to, you're not going to be hearing it until February. So (laughs) it would be a weird thing for her to say now. Yeah. And, 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 and trust me, and Christmas day was eight degrees in (laughs) February. What a nightmare.